0: Here now to talk about wine is Tanya Tomashevska. She is our wine expert and walks us through all things happening in the wine industry. Uh, a strategic business advisor to the wine industry. Thanks so much for being here today.
1: Hi, Scott. It's great to be back on the show. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, and great to kind of meet you. We haven't actually talked before, but no. I'm really interested to talk with you. Uh, my wife and our circle of friends are jealous because they're massive, <laughs> massive wine people and always want to know like, what the hottest yeah. wine and the best thing to drink is. So like, what are we talking about this week?
1: Today, I want to talk about dirt. I want to talk about the soils. I want to talk about where wine comes from in terms of where it all starts. It starts, up, it starts out in the vineyards. It starts where the grapevines grape are grown. Um, you know, dirt matters a lot. So how the wine in our glass tastes is often a function of what kind of soils or ground matter those grapes are grown in. On the show before I've discussed with Jill, wine is about farming. You really can't make good wine without good farming in terms of both farming practices and soils. How you treat the soils, what kind of soils you have on your land, that matters. It's like gardening. Um, These are the building blocks of making wine. And it's also the foundation of the kind of grapes that a winemaker will choose to grow on their land to make the kind of wine that they make. Even the small differences in different types of soils can lead to very different styles of wines that we're making. When I talk about soils, I'm talking about things not only like topsoils and subsoils, but also things like the sedimentary um, composition and layers of the rock underneath. This is about geological history, alluvial, if there have been rivers in the past. Um, and glacial till and sand and something that we'll talk a little about, even volcanic rock, volcanic history.
0: This is so crazy to me. Like, I, I do understand it as farming. You know, we've done all the Okanagan wine tours and, you know, you hear all of this. But to me, it just, it's so crazy that each of these things has such an effect on on the wine in your glass and, and the taste of it. It really is, when you get into the science of it, like quite remarkable how it's like uh, the... On this side of the hill, the wine tastes like that. And on this side of the hill, it tastes totally different.
1: Absolutely. And it's a great point you're touching on, which is where you are and where that place is. And where did that place come from? And so we often hear the word terroir, the terroir of a wine. You'll hear this word thrown around and used. I don't mean it with disrespect. Use it a lot. Sometimes we don't really know what that means. I mean, literally, I guess it could mean earth or dirt. But when you hear people talking about terroir and wine, what is that? Well, it's the soils and the land, but it's something more. It's something more mysterious. It's it's like what you're talking about, depending where you're standing. It's a French term, which essentially means a sense of place. And by that, we mean the combination of the different environmental factors or elements about where that wine comes from. So you're talking about standing in a certain spot in the Okanagan. It's not only the soils and the dirt you're standing on. It's also the geological history. Was there a flood in the past? did the ice age come through? How high is it? Which way does it face? Is it south facing? Is it west facing? Um, Are there cool nights? Um, Is there rain? Is there fog? What's the climate? Is it Mediterranean style or is it maritime? Where are we on the latitude? Where are we on the longitude? So we're talking about terroir. We're talking about that sense of place. We're talking about the wine that it's channeling that place that you're standing. So, you know, of course a wine will taste how it does because a winemaker then will take those grapes and will will do as much or as little to the grapes that they but the winemaker wants to have the art in your glass, the result. But the starting point really is about where the grapes were grown. I think about this a lot because I'm fortunate to travel a lot. I'm a geography nerd. I really like thinking about these things. And one thing lately I've been really loving to taste from wines from both British climate around the world are what we call volcanic wines. So wines that are made near volcanoes.
0: Okay, so now, like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm like, uh, there's so much here, right? There's so much information. Oh, yeah, information. there's a lot. But <laughs> so I think for, for what a lot of people, like myself, sort of lay laymen, you know, want to buy mm-hmm. a nice bottle of wine and take it to the party mm-hmm. and stuff. So what should yeah. you be looking for? Like, what's better, what's worse in terms of yeah. the, the terroir, the dirt? How do we even yeah. know? Like, where does a person with, uh, with like, a, a regular understanding even start? Yeah.
1: Okay, well, my motto is always be tasting. So my starting point is if there's a certain kind of wine that you know you already like and you like the style, it could be the grape, it could be where it's from, the part of the world, it could be a certain winemaker, it could be how you have it, when you have it. Um, go to your wine store or talk to a wine friend and say, "Hey, I really, I really like this wine. I want to learn more about it. I want to learn more about who made it and where it's from, and what are the conditions around there. It's like farming, you know. It's kind of if you have a garden for those who like to garden or who those who farm. It's the same kind of questions like, what can I grow here? Um, and then taste it, you know, and say, well, why is it tasting this way? And then what I'd suggest is you go to your 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 store and ask someone to uh, you know, your are consulted to say, well, maybe try can you give me another wine that's from that region? Or can you give me another wine that that is that kind of grape? If you, let's say you like Sauvignon Blanc or you like um, Pinot Noir and say, well, can you give me a wine in this price point from another part of the world? I'm going to try it. And you start learning. And just when you're tasting the wine, smell it, close your eyes and smell it and taste it. And maybe make some notes. I don't mean copious, but make a note mental or written down about You know, how do you feel about that wine and what are you tasting? You know, does it taste like flinty? Does it taste like, does it smell like matchstick? Because that might be, for example, I'm talking about volcanic wines. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's a stoniness to it. You close your eyes, you smell it. There's something like, you know, something mineral-like. Or maybe uh, you taste something that's something that's very fresh and maybe a bit sharp. Or sometimes people say there's like something like oyster shells, right? So you hear wine people talk a lot about flavors or wine enthusiasts. And sometimes all of these flavors that you're tasting, it's not really the grape. Um, It's the DNA in the grape. um, And this is really the chemistry and the science. But it could be that land and the soils where the grape, the vines were grown. Because then you get into like the real chemistry. Some people say like, oh, there's magnesium or iron or potassium in these soils and these things have broken down from hey there used to be a, a you know volcanic activity here or hey there used to be a glacial activity here. So I know I probably really haven't answered your question my <laughs> no, my, no. my suggestion is just to try <laughs> d- just keep, tasting. This, just keep tasting. this is the best. This is the best advice. Pay attention to what you're smelling and tasting and see connections. Yeah, you know, I, maybe maybe take an area like I like I say I've been into volcanic wines lately so I've been drinking a lot of wines from Sicily where okay. there's no Etna which is still a very active. It's the largest volcano in Europe. There are very st- interesting characteristics to wine that is made on, in Sicily. So that's an example of an Italian wine. Um, you know, also, if you like Greek wine, uh, wines from Santorini, that's a volcanic area. There's these kind of flinty, mineral, very linear that we call in the wine world. So, um, you know, you could go to your wine store and say, hey, I would like to learn about this kind of terroir and help me. You know, help me choose a bottle. Let me try it. Yeah. So, so that's really practical. There, that's what I do for myself. No, that's
0: fantastic. <laughs> I love it. Are there, one of the things that I've heard about wine tasting, uh, you know, as I sort of have like chummed along on, on with friends on wine tastings and stuff. Yeah. It's like the most important question to ask is, do you want another glass? You know, yes, essentially like, did you like it enough yeah. to have more of it? And like, For that's, sure. that's the most important question. And then if you like it, we can delve a little more. What do you like about it? And you know, all of those yeah. types of questions. Is there like something uh, like a, a bottle or two off the top of your head of these sort of volcanic wines that, that you would recommend or that people might want to look into this weekend?
1: Yes. So um, some that I have, I mentioned Sicily because Mount Etna is there. It's active. Um, so some that I really enjoy from Sicily, there are a few wineries. Uh, one is called uh, Pietra Dolce, which in Italian meets literally sweet rock. So um, the red wines and white wines they make, but the red wines have this beautiful kind of cherry flavor. It's from an indigenous grape called Norello Mascalese, And it's kind of like a mix of a Pinot Noir and a Grenache and a Zinfandel. And it's this beautiful, delicate red fruit, but there's a streak of minerality from it. And the name of the wine, Pietro Dolce, is Sweet Rock, kind of like this beautiful fruit over a rock, you know, volcanic rock. Um, Planeta is another one. So those are, but Pietro Dolce and Planeta are two that you can see are widely available from Sicily. Um, Those are examples of, you know, where there's an active volcano. Um, As I mentioned, you know, if you like Greek wine, Um, You can try an Ascertico. It's a white wine. If you like white wine, it's very lean. It's very mineral, very lemony. Just go to your wine store and say, hey, do you have any white wine from Santorini? Um, And also, if you like... Well, um, if you like British Columbian wines, we have volcanic regions here. I mean, I, you know, before I get into BC, you know, you can go to uh if you like Willamette Valley and wines from Oregon, sure, Pinot Noir, yeah. um Pinot Noir from Oregon Valley, there are pockets there that are volcanic. Uh if you like Cabernet Sauvignon from California. Um, lots of those are volcanic, especially from Lake country. There's what we call obsidian. If you've heard of obsidian, it's actually volcanic glass and it pops up in these areas where the vineyards are. So, you know, California cabs, some, uh, Willamette Valley Pinot Noirs, if you like those kinds of wines from those regions. And here in British Columbia, we actually have, I can think of my mind in three of our wine regions, uh, dormant volcanoes. So one, I actually just tried earlier this afternoon, as it turns out completely unpremeditated. I, I had a tasting, um, Phantom Creek Estates, which is based in in the Black Sage Bench in Oliver, they have a uh, a riesling that they've made recently from the Similkameen Valley. So if you've driven from to a Soyuz from the coast, you will have driven through Similkameen Valley. There's Mount Cobo there, which some of you may have gone hiking. That used to be a volcano. So there's lots of volcanic matter in soils. And the wine that I had today, a Riesling from that dry Riesling, it had a flintiness on the nose, this minerality. But then it had this like fruit, this beautiful BC fruit. So I can't, it's a je ne sais quoi. Like I can't explain it anymore just to say I liked it. And I kind of think that's how I like to drink wine. I liked it, but it's from an area that's volcanic. So our Valley has a remnants of volcanic activity. The other two areas that you may have heard of. Um, if you go, you mentioned you go to the Okanagan. So Mount Boucherie, which is in West Kelowna, um, for example, where Mission Hill is or Quail's Gate, there's also a winery called Volcanic Hills. Um, Mount Boucherie used to be a volcano as well. So the soils there Will have the remnants of volcanic activity. It could have been rocks that had been ejected during a volcanic eruption. Um, it could have been the lava, the molten. Um, so, that area. So, if you're ever in West Kelowna, um, some of the vineyards there have volcanic activity uh, as soils. And the other is Summerlin. So, south of, if you ever go south of Kelowna, um, giant head, you can see it. Um, that used to be a volcano as well. And Summerland region has lots of nooks and crannies for lack of a better word of different soil structure and you can try wines there too that have been made from grapes grown in what once was you know kind of a volcanic area so I know that's very general (laughs) no that's but those are the regions and I know a lot of people who travel to the Okanagan you know that might give some context about you know, some of the geological history that we have that really plays into the kind of wines that we can make.
0: Really interesting stuff. And, you know, wine, you know, it's its always so interesting. And, you know, it's Friday, so maybe we'll it's go Friday, have it's a It's Friday, it's wine glass. time. Tanya Tomaszewska, <laughs> she's a strategic business advisor to the BC wine industry. Thank you so much for your time and for telling us a little bit about Volcanic Wine. We're going to have to go and try some. Thanks again, Tanya.
1: Thanks so much. Happy Friday and enjoy your glass after work.